Welcome to the PNDD Renewal Society podcast, a place where we come together to find freedom and reclaim our lives. I am Rose. And I am Amy. The PMDD Holistic Trauma Specialist. Here we understand the unique challenges and struggles faced by those living with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, otherwise known as PMDD. But more importantly, we believe in the power of community, empathy, and support to help us navigate this journey towards a life of greater freedom and happiness. We have personally been struggling from PMDD and trauma for over 16 years and have gone through a long journey of holistic healing and are now on a mission to support our PMDD community with our professional and personal experience. We are far more than our labels. We got We've this. got this. Welcome to the PMDD Renewal Society podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Rose, and I'm here with Amy. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about coping mechanisms. Um, And I know when you have PMDD, there are so many tools that we're always looking for. We're always looking for ways to, to cope with what our suffering. And I think a lot of times it's very interesting because we all have different PMDD symptoms throughout the month. And so if you think about PMDD within itself, you know, it's, all of your coping mechanisms are like compounded because you can have anxiety and depression and, you know, body dysmorphia and low self-esteem and, you know, all of these things on top of each other. So if you think about having coping, coping mechanisms, you would have like hundreds of them because they're piled on top of each other for each specific symptom. And I think that can seem really overwhelming because it's almost like when you get one thing down and you're like, okay, I got it. I got my anxiety down. Then all of a sudden you may wake up the next day and it's like, oh, I'm depressed. And it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to go get some coping mechanisms for this. And I think what we do a lot of times when we get into that, um, that stuck place, it's like analysis paralysis. We freeze and then we do nothing because it's so overwhelming. And then we just sit there and suffer. And I think that's where a lot of, you know, PMDD sufferers end up in that place of feeling like the tools that they would use are just really, really overwhelming. Mm, yeah, that's so true. And then there's also the flip side of having what people would perceive as negative coping mechanisms. But I think one of the really interesting things about that is when you have these negative coping mechanisms they really come from a place of survival. So initially they were beneficial because they were helping you survive. And then they tip over into being, you know, negative and, and not so beneficial. So, you know, if you if you smoke when you're anxious, initially maybe it alleviates your anxiety, but then normally it perpetuates the feeling as well. Mm-hmm. But there's this this tendency in the negative coping mechanisms to also fragment ourselves and not like ourselves for it instead of being compassionate about the fact that the reason we created these coping mechanisms was to survive and so being able to integrate that sense of okay you know like uh, I I done this to survive but now I'm seeing this is unhelpful is is really important for your progression and then yeah. just trying to take it slow, like what you were saying there, you know, like the depression and the anxiety. I, I think that there is this, there's this tendency within the PMGD community, I find, um, that we 
we want all of the answers mm-hmm. but it doesn't like you could know everything in your head and not implement anything and what does that really do like it's best for you to have one thing that you're doing consistently that you're actively doing rather than have 10 20 100 things that you know and they're not implementing and uh-huh. I think that that's one of the the significances of change, isn't it? Like it's so easy to, you know, read the articles, listen to podcasts, try the things, but not actually really utilize it. And I think that that in and of itself is is a huge barrier, isn't it? Because it it's kind of easy to just try and like swallow all the information, but there's there's almost there can be this fear that if I actually try and implement it and it doesn't work, then I'm never going to change. Yeah. I think that's a really, really big fear, isn't it? But I think both me and you know that, like, there are different things for different things and it's it's just learning to create an arsenal of tools for different things. Yeah, I think a lot of times what we're on the search for in the PMDD community is more information, right? And you can get to that place of information overload. Um, So you're constant. I know that a lot of times we're trying to be advocates for PMDD. So we see a lot of things in the media, we see it being portrayed and we're so excited about it. But what Mm -hmm. we're what we're experiencing and a lot of times in these private groups as well, like on Facebook, if you're getting information on what each individual person is doing to cope with their symptoms and everybody is different. And so if you try to adopt their coping mechanisms and their tools and you have 500 people in the group, you're, you may be mixing and matching and oh, you know, all of these things. And I think I love what you said. It's about you don't need to to do all of the things. You just need to do one thing consistently. So I think we don't need more information a lot of times. We need more action. Because if you take action on one thing that you know is working for you, that's customized to you, not to everybody else, because I know I get a lot of questions in the DMs about, you know, what do you use for this? Or what do you think about this? Or, and I always say, you know, especially when it comes to medicinal things, like even if I've tried something and it works for me, that doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And I don't like giving that false hope and and even my experience with it, because you may take it and it not work for you. And then you're beating yourself up and you're feeling like there's something wrong with you. Like, why did it work for Rose, but it doesn't work for me? And you're thinking that it's something wrong and it's really not. It's a lot of these coping mechanisms because it comes from a holistic place for me personally. And I know for you as well, they have to be customized to what I'm even experiencing in my life at the moment. You know, if my cortisol levels are high because I have a lot of stress going on in my life, my coping mechanisms are going to reflect differently than if I'm in a place of calm and ease. Like I may need less, you know, than that, you know, like I know one of the things um, on the holistic side, where if you think about like ashwagandha or, you know, natural supplements, um, if I don't have a lot of stress going on, I don't need to be popping, you know, pills of ashwagandha every single day. And I think a lot of times we can get into autopilot where we're doing the things to cope, but we're not really in that place. We're not checking in with ourselves and seeing, am I stressed? You're just knowing like last month, I, I really needed to reduce my stress. So I started doing this, or I, I used melatonin to sleep, or I did this. And it's like, but do you actually need that this month? 
don't keep pumping your body with things that you don't necessarily need for the space that you're at in this moment. Check in with yourself every single day, see what you need, see what lifestyle changes you can take and and allow it to look differently. Don't put yourself in a box and get on autopilot because you're going to end up frustrated and you're not going to, you're going to lose, you're going to disconnect from yourself because you're going to say, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And it's like, but do you really like, be really curious about what you're doing to cope. Do you really need that right now? And I know you were talking before about, you know, smoking. And I know that's one of the things that eases the anxiety. And I would always say, ask yourself, what are the, what is the aftermath of every coping mechanism that you're using? Because there's always a yin and a yang to it, right? And sometimes we're only looking at the yin. We're only looking at the good side of it. But I remember when I was having a lot of fatigue and I thought, oh, I need to drink coffee to stay awake. And then I realized that coffee, you know, caffeine was giving me really bad anxiety, but I didn't connect the two. So I was like, I need the coffee to stay awake. But but it's also causing my hands to shake because I already have anxiety in my body. So I'm like, what do I do? So it wasn't until I like literally went cold turkey removed everything from my quote unquote backpack and just decided consciously every single day what I want to add to my backpack. What do I want to carry around that's actually going to serve me? Mm. Yeah. And what I hear from all of that is really that process of investigation Mm -hmm. because that in and of itself is, is a tool, you know, being able to reflect on, okay, where is my life right now? What is good for me? And that's really what people need to learn I think there's such a tendency in our culture today to to need someone to approve what you're doing Mm. like I don't know like what do you think there's no like we haven't learned how to go internal and say okay there's something wrong with my you know even the PMDD you know the PMDD is really a symptom it's not it's not the cause in itself something is going on inside of you which is exacerbating the idea of you know having premenstrual dysphoric there's something going on with your hormones there's something going on with your nervous system be it trauma or be it the way that you're eating or stress you know there's there's many different factors to it but the reason that it exacerbated itself and manifested in your life may be completely different to mine. There may be similarities within the story, but the reason being is different. And I think that, you know, this this constant pressure that we're putting to get external advice all the time. This is why when I work with clients as well, like it, the, the fundamental element of it is to help you turn and look at yourself like I cannot help you you know you can only help yourself I can guide you but you you have like we're we live in a very codependent society I think and we are so codependent on other people to help us and I'm not I'm not discrediting the fact that you sometimes we do need help from other people that that is hugely true but you know, when it comes to these coping mechanisms and different things, that there has to be a way for us to turn the mirror on ourselves and start 
really being honest with ourselves you know everything that you were saying there like what are you doing throughout the day to make you anxious are you drinking too much coffee are you not having enough sleep are you on your phone too much well you know if you're feeling really lonely like why are you feeling lonely like are you trying to make friends if you're not trying to make friends or if you're not trying to get community or meet someone and you want it what's stopping you doing that do you know what I mean like looking and then once you find a little bit of like okay so like for the loneliness example, you know, if you if you feel really lonely and you don't really have a lot of friends or you don't have a partner and you want to, but you don't know how, then you found a bit of a route there, haven't you? And then you can yeah. look for support because then you're like, oh, okay, like I have I have this issue, like maybe I have social anxiety and I don't really know how to overcome it. So maybe I need to get some support. Maybe I need some some act therapy. Maybe I need to see a psychologist, you know, maybe I need to see a coach, whatever, you know brings in your attention more but like until you start to you have to sift through a, bit, a little bit yourself first and find find something for yourself and I think the more that we are able to empower ourselves in that way and reflect on ourselves in the right way the easier things start to become because we do start to trust ourselves more and I I think personally that's the huge journey of PMDD as well you know and that that's the beauty of PMDD because it has that cyclicalness you know you can utilize that time when you're menstruating you know once you've once you've bled that is that you know you're you're shedding reflect back what was the most prominent thing that you was feeling this month because you know see like um I'm on day six of my um before I come on now I've got six days until I come on <laughs> I've got to be conscious of the way I say it I know everyone's used to it yeah everybody has a different way of tracking they're like what? yeah yeah but I feel so soothed right now like I'm really enjoying doing a lot of research doing a lot of reading like I just feel really in that like calming part now because because I've learned how to navigate through them uncut the uncomfortableness of my emotions and my hormones and and I think that that's the thing isn't it the more you can navigate it like I, I will say you know on, on like Saturday or Sunday I had a lot of paranoia on that day but I also am so I have so many tools of self-compassion and self-care now that when I start to feel a little bit triggered from different things, I'm able to give myself that love and touch, talk to myself, reparent myself, not like feel the feeling as well. Because, you you know, there's that tendency, I think, that when something, um, when we have a negative emotion or an emotion that doesn't feel comfortable, we perceive it to be bad. It's not necessarily bad. It just mm -hmm. needs to be processed you know like it you don't just because you have anxiety it feels uncomfortable so it's perceived as bad but it's trying to tell you something and that you know the more we can look at our emotions in that way like even my paranoia okay yes it was perceived as bad it was going round and round in my head and it wasn't making me feel too good about myself but but it's not bad it's just a recognizing that there's still a bit of stuff going on there there's still a little a few triggers that I haven't fully worked on yet you know they haven't been integrated into me and that's okay so then I, I learned to do it and the more you learn to as you was talking about you know start to investigate the easier it becomes to investigate mm -hmm. yeah. one of the tools that I use with my private clients because I work a lot with couples is I'm always talking about studying your PMDD partner. And I think a lot of times what you're saying is studying yourself. 
And I love that you brought out that the origin of the PMDD that we experience comes from a different place for every single person. I think we forget that. I think we just think one day we woke up and then we had PMDD, but we're not recognizing that we all had different traumatic events that, you know, made that come about. Um, I know for me, mine came from my childhood trauma. I know for some people it, it's postpartum depression. Like they were fine, then they had a baby, they had postpartum depression, and all of a sudden they're experiencing PMDD. And it's like it can be from a different place. And so if we're not going back to the root and really studying and investigating the root of where that trauma is and what caused it, and developing tools based off of the root, then it's not really gonna help us. You know, if, if I do a tool off of a surface level thing, anxiety could be like, yeah, I have anxiety, but why? Where is this coming from? Where, like, get to the root? It's just like a plant, like you're digging in the dirt. You're like, I need to pluck up the root. If you have a plant and it keeps growing off and it gets brown and you cut the surface of it, it's still gonna grow. It's the root is still gonna grow back up and, you, and, and it's still gonna be solidified within you. So if that root is trauma and you haven't dug it out and literally ripped it out, then it's still going to keep growing in your life. And this is why a lot of times in, when it comes to PMDD and it's very cyclical, you can find yourself experiencing the same kind of traumatic events, re-traumatization again and again and again, because you've never dealt with the root of the trauma. And I think that what you said was also so powerful and about when you start to use the tools, um, let your validation be enough, like let you knowing within yourself. And I know a lot of that comes from self-worth and self-confidence. And that's one of the things that PMDD attacks, you know, your self-worth because you're thinking about past actions that you've done, past even thoughts that you've had in your mind that you're like, this is so out of character. I must be this horrible person. Like you're, you're renaming yourself because of things that you're experiencing within PMDD, um, but one of the other things that you said was that the tools, if we think about a tool, if I, if you said you wanted to hang up some pictures in your house and you're like, oh, can you know, like Rose, can I borrow like a hammer? And I went over to your house and I gave you a hammer and you never picked it up to actually use it to put the nail in the wall. You'd be like, this doesn't work. This hammer doesn't work. And it's like, I can give you the tools. You know, Amy can give you the tools, but if you don't pick them up and actually utilize them in the areas of your life that you need them, meaning you strategically know if you're listening to this podcast episode and you're seeing all these tools and you're listening to all these tools, but you're not using them in the right area of your life, then it's not going to work. And you're going to get discouraged. And so you have to do a lot of the work with utilizing the tools that you get. But there's certain times of the month where it's like, I don't need that tool or I do need that tool. I really need this tool. Like you have to do this on a daily basis. And I know it can seem overwhelming, but that is why I love having, you know, just spending some time with checking in with yourself and finding out what you need for the day. And sometimes it's even what you need for the moment. You know, if it's so overwhelming, break up your day in four quadrants, you know, like morning, you know, midday, you know, afternoon and then evening and maybe just check in with yourself during those four times. Because if I need something in the morning, it may be completely different from a coping mechanism that I need in the evening. Like I don't need to be getting energy and, and getting all wound up when I'm supposed to be getting sleep and winding down. Like I'm using different techniques. So if you have a morning routine, make sure you have an evening routine so that you can repeat that morning routine and it all has to translate together. So I know it seems very overwhelming, but 
the tools work if you work them. And I know when we think about work, we go into that mentality of hard. Everything needs to be hard. It doesn't have to be hard. And I know I don't want you to go into this thing of like, I have to put myself on the strict schedule. And No, do what feels good for you in the moment. And like Amy said, you know, if you have negative emotions that are coming up, learn how to be in that place where you're you're sitting with them. I love a post that you did um, a couple of weeks ago and you said you wanted to rename Hell Week to like Learning Week. And I love that. I love that you took the negative connotation out of, you know, hell and you turned it into, but what am I learning about myself? Because it is a possibility, like you're six days away from, you know, being out of PMDD and you're in that place and you feel calm and it's like, that's unheard of. And so normally if you, if you were to post that somewhere, they'd be like, what are you taking? What are you doing? And it's like, I'm actually just investigating. I'm learning. I learned some things last month that actually worked for me. I'm implementing them now. And that's why I'm, I'm in the place where I should be feeling my worst and I'm actually feeling really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even in that as well, like there was something you said there that I really liked, um, but, but that, but I feel like it's a chicken and an egg thing, like the PMDD <laughs> attacks self-worth. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because is it the PMDD that attacks self-worth or is it self-worth that exacerbates into PMDD? Like mm-hmm. uh, when you was just saying there, you know, it's unheard of of, um, you know, you to get to that place. Like it's because I like myself. Like, I think that that is the thing, like the self-compassion, like you, you can't, I think this is a, this is a truth, you know, you can't be curious about yourself if you don't like yourself because you will self-berate, you will judge yourself. And to be curious and self-compassionate, you cannot be judgmental. Like you, you, you can't be in that place of judgment whilst you're allowing yourself to be curious. So when you're coming into this um, into this place of starting to observe your PMGD and what, you know, what symptoms are really exacerbated or what's really coming up for you, be it anxiety, depression, the thoughts, whatever, you, you have to allow yourself to, to come into a place of self-compassion. Now, I'm not saying, you know, like when I first started this and I started to cultivate self-compassion, like I didn't like a lot of the my traits at that time you know I was very erratic I was paranoid all the time I was exhausted all the time I I felt a lot of shame but I knew that I had to be curious and compassionate to do this so even though I didn't necessarily like myself I stood in a position of well this this is now what I have to do to to change and I, I think that's the thing where people have to accept you know you you Firstly, no one is perfect, you know, whether you have PMDD, mental health issues, whatever or not, like no one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. But secondly, you know, when when you are diving into these things and you start to realize, you know, there's a lot of bridges that I've burnt over the years, a lot of relationships that for people that don't want to necessarily talk to me anymore because of the behaviors that I had years ago. And and that can be quite hard, like that can be quite challenging at times. But you know, every everyone's on their journey, and you have to accept your what you've done. 
-hmm. as well and this is you know that goes into what we've discussed before about it's not your fault but it is your responsibility and standing up in your power and saying okay you know I don't like myself right now I'm ashamed of my actions I'm afraid of where I'm at but I really do want to change and I want to try and I'm going to do these as you said like the morning routine you know my morning routine I must admit actually I've been pretty lazy with my morning routine recently <laughs> with with the new move to India but generally you know my morning routine is normally like an hour an hour and a half long now when I first started it wasn't necessarily that long it was like a few gratitudes like a little bit of exercise or just just like small things that felt bearable consistently because that's that's the important thing it has to be consistent and if it's too overwhelming then it won't be consistent and you will feel like a failure so strip it back there's no there's no shame in the only thing you're doing for the first month is one one gratitude or five minutes walk but if you consistently do it it starts to make a change but you have to accept that this is a journey it's a journey of, of like peeling back the layers of yourself and and I think unfortunately for a lot of people they don't believe I think language you know like you just said about the hell we can learn in week like I believe language is creation you know it's a huge part of how we create you know from from many different layers but just as a person you know like if you're having a conversation with someone and you say to someone oh I just quit my job in comparison to oh I just quit my job like the, the, <laughs> the, the like the way that the other person would even react to it would be different do you know yeah. what I mean the language that we use and and how we express ourselves does so much like when I was you know really paranoid the other day and my head was going like 100 miles an hour I just started speaking out I was like no I'm competent I'm capable I'm confident and I just kept saying them things and I'm like no I'm strong you know I'm happy I'm able it's okay it's just a moment like really just you know speaking these words out firstly because as a tool you know if your brain is going 100 miles an hour and you speak stops your thoughts in their track and also you know if you speak or you sing you know if you sing it, it calms the nervous system down as well so they're like they're just general <laughs> physiological aspects of it but then you're also speaking out different truths you know where you can stand there in like the superwoman stance you know there's a TED talk about that and what that does to you um to you physiologically as well and that's the thing like we we need to start that's why I don't like this language of of hell week it's so it's just there's there's no need to consistently perpetuate fear you know we're not wanting to be afraid of our our cycles like I think you know I feel like I stand for both of us when I say this like PMDD is a great thing because it teaches you your womanhood it teaches you the sick like the depth of your cyclical nature if you really allow yourself to go into that place of really connecting with yourself and believing that there's a possibility, you know, that you could go into homeostasis and that your body could start to calm and you could start to like yourself, you know, and enjoy the fluctuations of your cycle, then, you know, it, it starts to become a bit easier. But I think that they're the barriers that people have, you know, this the language of absolute, you know, this I am a label, like, oh, it's because of PMGD. Like, you're a person with with abilities and yes I do you know trauma affects people trauma yeah. affects 
the way that people respond to situations, the, you know, the emotional imprints that we have and the, the perceived threats like social anxiety. You know, if, if you are socially anxious and, and you go into a room and someone just says, oh, you just need to try it. Like it's not that's not the case. Like you, you do have to calm the nervous system. You do have to create tools for yourself, but they can be done. And that's the. That's the thing, you know, so many studies show like neuroplasticity, like calming the nervous system, like that there, there is so much evidence to show that you can you can heal and you can alleviate symptoms if you don't like the language of healing, you know, but you can alleviate these things. And I think that that is that's really the thing for our, our, our community, really, like that there is hope, but the hope is within yeah you have to have the hope like we can't create it for you you have to believe that there's a possibility you can change and when you start to believe that you will change and it sounds so like airy fairy but it's not yeah and I love what you said about that basically words have power um and James talks about that in the bible it's like you know there's power in the tongue and I really and I believe what you said about the person has to believe and have hope but you can utilize, even listening to this podcast, this yeah. could be restoring the hope that you have. And I know a lot of times for me, when I wake up in a really negative place, I have to listen to something that is the opposite side to get me out of that state. So that's a tool within itself. It's just listening to something that is going to reprogram. I call it reprogramming your PMDD brain because it's really allowing you to shift from what your autopilot is, shift from what your 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 default is, which is the negative you know experience that you may be having, and it's the perception. Like you said, you know, the perception of what, of what your experience is, you know, yeah. a lot of times if you're saying I have a lot of anxiety, I can't relax, I can't whatever, but I have private clients that do projects and they use that anxious energy to get stuff done. You know, they use it and say, I'm going to move my body. I'm going to go build this. or I'm going to do this. or I'm going to get all this stuff done off of my to-do list. And so you're not saying I I'm anxious and I can't do anything about it. You're saying, how can I use this additional energy for a positive reason, which is like to get some stuff done. And it, it's not going to last. It's very temporary. But one of the things I love about you, Amy, is that you have a lot of compassion to meet people for where, for where they are. And I think one of the things that I've been working on lately, um, that's been a, a really challenging thing for me. And even my partner is we both are like checking ourselves on judging, you know, we can get to these places, but it's only when I'm in PMDD. I've noticed like it comes out where I start to get really nitpicky and critical and judgmental, not just of myself, but everything in my environment and it becomes like obsessive. I'm like, this needs to be this way. This is like, it's overwhelming. It's like all of a sudden everything is just wrong. And, um, and, and I'm judging it. And when you're judging something, you're fighting it, you're fight, you're resisting it. You're feeling like you can't feel differently until it changes. I can't feel differently until my partner changes. I can't feel differently until my coworker changes. I can't feel differently until I feel that this person likes me. You're taking your power away because you're putting it in the hands of someone else who may not be in that place of even, you know, able to serve you right now. Like if I feel like, you know, my coworker doesn't like me and I feel like I can't feel better until I feel like they like me. Now I'm on this spinning wheel of just like, I got to do this for them. I got to do this for them. And it's like, number one, that could be my perception. 
I could be perceiving that my coworker doesn't like me. And now I'm waiting for them to validate me. And I'm sitting there waiting for it and waiting for it. And I go home and I can't, I can't do anything within myself because I've given away that power. And so I would say, whatever it is that you're coping with, don't give away your power. Don't put it on someone else to give you permission to feel good. Be able to use those mantras and those affirmations to reaffirm who you are. Because a lot of times, if your healing is in the hands of someone else and they're not in a place to to give you that healing, you need to be able to accept that. You know, I had to do that a lot of times with my childhood trauma. I was, you know, in my 20s and my 30s and I was needing my my mom to tell me that she knew that what she did to me was wrong. She knew that she mistreated me. She knew that she neglected me. She knew that and I couldn't move on until she admitted it. And she wasn't in a place in her life where she wanted to sit with those negative emotions and admit it. She felt guilty about it deep down, but she wasn't about to tell me. You know, there's a lot of pride there. So I was sitting there and, and and waiting and waiting and waiting for her to release me from these negative emotions and to heal me. And one day I just came to the, the level of acceptance. I'm like, she's never going to tell me this. Like, she's never, she's not ready. She's not there. And I am suffering every day that I'm not getting that from her. And I was actually needing her to give me permission to let it go And I just, I had to kind of put some space in between the both of us and say, you know what? She's not going to give this to me. I need to find a way to give myself that forgiveness, to give myself that release. And when I did that, when I came back to be interaction with my, my mom, it wasn't coming from a place of, I need, I need you to give me this. I need you to give me that. It was a place of acceptance. Like I understand, I don't need it because I've given it to myself. And it was, and a lot of that was in those affirmations. And when in that reprogramming of that trauma and in saying like, I, I am loved and I am protected and I am, I am cared for. And it may not be from the person that I'm expecting it from, but there's other people in my life that are giving me that. And I'm not expecting it to come from the source of where my trauma came from. Yeah. And I, I think it just in, in what you said there, like that's a very, it's the ending of a cycle isn't it like when when we haven't in like that developmental trauma side of things you know when we when we've been neglected or emotionally abused or whatever if if we if we haven't had that level of safety that's that's where trauma happens when when we're stuck in that place and we're constantly and this is what you see people play out time and time again you know that we're trying to end the cycle um the circuit by getting what we need we're trying to get that approval we're trying to and when we when we learn to accept our loss and grieve you know as as you said like even the forgiveness part I think that before the forgiveness is the allowance of this is shit you know and I'm I'm disappointed like I wish someone you know I wish they loved me the way that I wanted them to and my heart is kind of broken and then once once you've allowed yourself to really experience and feel that and and physiologically as well because then you gave you gave yourself this beautiful thing of not just forgiveness but but your own level of parenting and that for the nervous system as well you know that's so nourishing for you physiologically which then makes it so much easier for the affirmations to to be affirmed because you 
the the combination of the two i think is really significant it's if if you can't connect the the affirmations and the reframing of the mind to the to the nervous system which you know they're both they're both brain essentially mm -hmm. then they don't seem to quite fit you kind of i i personally think you know you kind of have to do one with the other and you can start with one yeah. but then when you start seeing the blocks then you have to work on the other which is kind of what you've done isn't it like, yeah you know, allowing yourself to do that and then it creates that that wholeness the the ending of the cycle doesn't mean it's any easier you know it's hard mm -hmm. to it's hard for us to accept that our parents never loved us the way that you know we hoped they would or that person who we love never loved us the way they would or these people don't accept us like it's it's challenging but that constant fight to to prove something to someone else it only hurts you uh -huh. you know you can literally as they say in recovery you know you can only keep your side of the street clean mm -hmm. and that is you know that there, there is this tendency inside of us to try and control everything around us and get resentful mm -hmm. with everyone else but when you start to realize that you are the only person that you are in control of you you cannot like I'm sure you know you hear this time and time again working with people and their partners you know like this thing of like well they I have PMDD and they should be acting this way they yeah. should maybe no you want them to act that way and it <laughs> yeah. did act that way but you you can't expect that and maybe because I, I definitely felt this is like a real thing that I was very guilty of in relationships but I'd want them to act a certain way and if they didn't I'd get pissed off straight away there was no like it, I didn't go okay I'm gonna step back and I feel like sometimes if you do if you accept that this is what you're saying and you're just letting them be then generally people come to you a bit easier because you're giving them room you're and they might not come to you in an hour they might not come to you till the next day or two days after like but but that's the thing when you stop doing things with an expectation of how other people are going to respond life becomes so much easier and you start to get love properly because yeah. you're not trying to manipulate love and that um you know even the word manipulation is a negative connotation when you've gone, gone through a lot of trauma and you've never really had love or or really understood it manipulation is a technique to get that survival need of love yeah. so it's not necessarily a negative connotation it's just uh you know i've done it i've done it in, in the past like i've been very I'm not I'm not proud of it at all but like when I've needed love or where you know maybe I've been too dramatic or it hasn't even necessarily been cognitive it's such a survival mechanism mm -hmm. we save, you know if, if you're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs like love is is survival like yeah. people, people die of broken hearts like it's so mm -hmm. it's such a tragic thing but when we start to realize that we and we start to love ourselves, like genuinely, like viscerally love ourselves and value that if this person can't act the, the way that I feel I deserve over a period of time, then maybe I actually need to live yeah. rather than expecting from them. Yeah. I feel like that was a big ramble, but. <laughs> no, that was so good. That was so good. I yeah there was there was so much in that I it's like the butterfly thing I always think of a butterfly you know if you chase the butterfly it's gonna fly away but sometimes if you give up and you're just like I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna walk and then you look over and the butterfly's like on your shoulder and you're thinking about all of the energy that you expounded trying to chase something whatever yeah. you chase it's gonna run away like it's not and if you get it 
after you chased and worked hard for it, there's a lot of resentment that comes from that. Like it's a lot of like, I didn't really want to be here, but you chased me down. So like, and then you think about, I had to pull you in here. Like there, like nobody no, was naturally, yeah, nobody was naturally trying to get this together, but it's just, it's so much easier. Sometimes a coping mechanism that you use is actually less effort. It's actually doing less to receive more. You all, we automatically think we have to push harder. We have to work harder, but sometimes just letting go and accepting and watching what comes to you, the things that are meant to come to you, you'll be so surprised. You're like, wow. So I didn't have to do all that. I didn't have to push and force and all this. If I would have just allowed myself to be the things that are supposed to come into my life, the experiences that I'm supposed to have are in alignment and they just come. And so I think what out of this whole podcast, what I want you to learn um, from me and Amy is just study your, do a lot of the work within yourself. If you're chasing anyone, chase yourself, right? Chase, chase who you are, chase what you're going through, um, study yourself and then learn what works, have compassion for yourself you know, don't judge where you are. Don't don't continuously berate yourself because you feel like you should be further along in your journey. Words have power, all of these things. So um, until the next episode, Amy, how can they get in contact with you um, for anything? I know, because I know you're leaving. You're leaving like in a couple yeah. of days. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so, so excited. Yeah, you can still, you know, contact me on my Instagram, The Feminine Rhythm, or on my website, feminineRhythm.co.uk, and just just email me as well. Like I do, um, you know, I, I run the sisterhood, the cyclical power sisterhood with Heidi, yeah. um, which has just been adding more people in. And that's, yeah, it's exciting. We're doing loads of different things um, in there. So there's, yeah, just contact me from there and obviously we're we're gonna start a um a dating course I'm in so February with PMDD. I'm so excited I always hear when people listen to my podcast in love with PMDD they're like you're talking about people that are already in relationships what about us that are single you know what if we're we're wanting to get and I think it's um, it's so admirable that people are in that place where they're wanting to prepare for getting in those relationships versus waiting till you're getting in it and feeling overwhelmed. Like, I don't know what to do, but getting that knowledge and the tools ahead of time, I think is like the number one thing. So I'm super excited for what we're going to do together um, this upcoming year. So I would say continuously listen to the podcast. We're going to be giving you information about when it's going to start, but I'm really, really excited to work with the singles. <laughs> yeah. And it's just going to be really interesting as well, because it is, you know, me and Rose are women who do have PMDD. So we understand that. And also, you know, even in the dating thing, that preparing to communicate the cyclicalness and what that would look like is going to be an exciting conversation as well. So yeah, yeah. No, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for next year and what we've got going on. So if you want to um, get in touch with me, you can DM me on Instagram, um, in love with PMDD, or email me, Rose at in love with PMDD. We'll put everything in the show notes. But until next time, please, please, please be gentle, compassionate with yourself. Um, understand that the tools that you're using they can help you alleviate a lot of the suffering that you're going through. But until next time, we got this. We've got this. 
thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the PMDD Renewal Society podcast. We hope our conversation has brought you support, understanding, and a sense of hope in your renewal journey with PMDD. Remember, you are not alone in this. There is a whole community of individuals going through similar experiences. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss an episode. We'll continue to bring you inspiring stories, expert insights and practical tips to help you navigate the challenges of PMDD and find empowerment in your daily life. Join our private society for only $49 a month to dive deeper into our renewal process where each week we will be taking you through our customized PMDD renewal blueprint. For the first 10 members of our society, we are offering our free emotional eating ebook filled with recipes for each phase of your cycle, along with behavioral change tips and a self-compassion questionnaire. Also, you're going to get a free personalized introductory call with Rose and Amy. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode filled with hope, resilience and renewed strength. Until then, take care of yourself and remember that together we are more than our labels.